0: A lot of people, when they come for a reading, they don't want to hear anything they call negative. And and so they don't want anything bad, to hear anything bad about themselves. But we all have challenges and we all have work to do on ourselves and our life and our awareness and, and how we expand our awareness.
1: And welcome to Phone a Crone. Author and gemotherapist Lauren Hubelay and artist Christine Terrell are calling up creative, wise women all over the globe. Listen in as these women share their stories, knowledge, and insights about where we are, what's next, and how to connect to our own deep ancestral wisdom.
2: I'm Lauren Hubelay. And I'm Christine Terrell. And we're here today with Jyoti Wind. So before we dive into our conversation with Jyoti, um, I'd like to set an intention on the behalf of all of our listeners here. May you hear just the nugget of wisdom you need today to move you further in discovering your true essence. And if the opportunity arises, May you pass that pearl to a fellow journeyer. Ladies, let's open this up. Jyoti, we've had lots of conversations over the years, but I have a feeling today's is going to be new and different in its own special way. So um, let me just say this to our listeners. Jyoti is a poet an astrologer, a shamanic practitioner and teacher, and wonderful woman. Jodi, welcome. Thank you very much, Lauren. Good to be here. Great. So Jodi, we're going to dive right in with this beautiful first question of, can, can you define the work you do today for our listeners? And I'll I'll follow this on with how your work helps others connect to themselves. That's a pretty big question. Um,
0: I think that um, in the process of growing, the more we know ourselves, the the easier it is to um, make choices and decisions and pick and choose what we need for ourselves and our own path. And so I, I feel that the work I do is helping people affirm who they know themselves to be. Mm-hmm. You know, Usually my readings, my astrology readings in particular, um, they're not geared toward telling somebody something they don't already know or suspect or feel within themselves, but sometimes that very confirmation of uh, a view outside of themselves, outside of their own thinking process, allows them to say yes yes that is who i am or or that is how i think or that that is where i'm going and so i think that it um in that confirmation and that affirmation it it helps strengthen a person's um awareness of themselves and and gives them strength to keep going on the path that their feet maybe have
2: just found How do you feel that differs between your work with someone with, as an astrologist and your work with someone as a shamanic practitioner?
0: I think all roads lead to Rome, you know <laughs> <laughs> kind of thing. And, <laughs> and I think either either body of work or both bodies of work um, will take you into that su- more uh, that deeper self-awareness. Uh, of yourself and and who you are, and maybe even uh, give you opportunities to see why you're here, you know, maybe what your soul wants your personality to have experiences of here, and maybe even do here um, in this life on earth. And so I think that, um, whether you're doing shamanic work and going into non-ordinary reality for those types of experiences, or through a reading and looking deeper into yourself and, and maybe the cycles that are working with you at this particular time, and what you brought in with you to do what you came here to do. I, I think both pathways take you to the same place of deeper self-awareness and self-knowledge.
1: Jyoti, you didn't start shamanic work as early as your astrology work, right?
0: No, no, I didn't. I started with the astrology um, in 1969, and then the shamanic piece came later in the late 80s. Okay. Was
1: there a particular thing that showed up where the astrology, I assume the astrology led to the shamanic work, or did something else lead you there?
0: No, it was, um, it's hard to say, it's hard to say. I mean, I think everything that I've studied and done has been, you know, leading me along a certain path. Um, and I think that the, um, shamanic work arose through my, uh, connection with the earth and my sense of really being part of the earth and um the um the life force in the earth and and uh the earth as a being and the life force in the trees and connecting with the stone people and you know all that kind of thing and so um and it it also was around the time where i really um became more aware of my own feminine space, my own life as a woman, um, having uh, grown up, having been taught by men, usually, you know, throughout my childhood and early years. And then one day out on some land here by the mountains, I decided that um, I'm a woman and I want to know how women think. And that switch was also around the time of the shamanic work coming in interesting
1: yeah i was wondering if the if the astrology work when you were talking about it earlier it made me think about that embodied wisdom like when you talk to clients and they start to understand more about the fact that the stars and planets actually do affect us if that actually brings them more into their own bodies. It sounds like it may have done a little bit of that for you too, and then the earth, obviously, as well. But do you feel like that's something
0: that happens for your clients? I th- I think in that, you know, whatever their path is, in that deeper self-awareness, um, I think it opens up other doors for them to explore themselves further, And it it could be anything from, you know, Akashic record readings to to Tarot to um, shamanic work, Um, whatever their particular path is that calls to them. I think it it gives them a different perception, a different viewpoint on um, that it's, it's not just me, you know, this personality, this ego making choices here. Uh, there are soul choices going on as
2: well at the same time. Yeah. Jody, you, you what you've shared already is so rich. And I can't help but go back and pick up a couple of the nuggets to quite ask a few more questions. Because when you said, you know, I was standing in this field and realized I'm a woman and I want to know how women think. Something led you to that statement. Do you have a sense of, of that? I, I was in the process
0: uh, for maybe several years before of um, offering workshops around the feminine process. I mean, my first workshop was um, uh, the Descent to the Dark Mother around owning the feminine shadow. And I was in the process of doing that piece of work myself out on that land, just walking that land and um, really feeling like I was being held by the earth while I did this descent myself. And then I created a workshop for other women to experience that themselves. It was based on the myth of Inanna
2: in the in yeah. the um okay more persian Beautiful. culture so how, how does one that's an astrologist an astrologer leap to that because that feels like a leap like you're you're going from the stars to the earth right what yes and and that was certainly an evolution do you have any thoughts on what caused that
0: I don't know if I could put words to it. I mean, I studied a lot of things while I was gathering my astrology tools. I was studying mystic Christianity. I was studying um, paganism around that time and and women's ceremonies and things like that. And um, probably just prior to that, I was very much into a more uh, indigenous ceremony Mm -hmm. and so I, I I felt like it was if I look at it, I, it it's kind of linear that, you know, one thing led to another yeah. and uh through the 70s and 80s. And um it, it was just using whatever tools showed up to see myself uh in a deeper way, perhaps, maybe a more expanded way. And um And and just getting in touch with deeper aspects of myself, especially my own feminine nature. Um, I remember standing in that same field one day and uh, feeling like, well, there's the Earth Mother, there's the Sky Mother, and I'm the human mother in between. And I felt like I was this conduit between the cosmic energies and the Earth. So, you know, and I've had a meditation practice for years, which I feel has really helped me stay in touch with um, deeper aspects of myself. So meditation was very important to me and a lot of my understanding in some ways came through that and finding teachers along the way. And, and we were on the circuit, I'm in Boulder, Colorado, and we were on the circuit for everybody that was doing anything passing through. And so teachers came through here and um, there were teachers that were on the shamanic path that would come and do workshops and uh, work with people here. And um, you know from all over, from New York, from South America, from uh, Nepal, And so I took every opportunity to work with them and study with them and have sessions with them. And um, it it just kind of helped me evolve my own take on it all, my own path with it all, the tools. I was gathering tools. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, with all these tools that you've gathered, do you feel like there's you know, a particular superpower that you possess in your current practice.
0: <laughs> superpower is pretty heady there. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> we all have a superpower at some point of some of some sort. <laughs> um I I think if I if I was to pick something, I, I think it's listening, the ability to listen and hear and and hear what else is there not only what somebody's telling me but also what else maybe is there that some part of them wants me to know to help in whatever situation they're involved in
2: Mm -hmm. having observed you in many classes and conversations with you i would wholeheartedly agree wouldn't you christine
1: yeah, no, I agree. And I do think, I think that's the theme that runs throughout your teaching also, teaching others how to listen, I think seems to be a very strong, you know, aspect of, of your work. In the teaching. I think,
0: I, I think that's true, that deeper listening inside yourself, because there's, There's really nowhere else you can go to get the answers that you're seeking. I mean, people can tell you things like I can tell someone, well, you know, you have this aspect going on right now and here's a way that you can deal with it or embrace it or invite it to give you the particular um, experience and information that you need at this time. Um, But ultimately you have to be quiet within yourself, or open in your dreams, or open to, uh, you know, the universe just dropping something in your lap through a conversation on the street with somebody, you know, so you have to be listening yourself, mm-hmm. and, and want that next piece. Yeah, well, but
1: I think within listening too, there's a piece of, of discernment, like, I think that's also something else that you teach, like, there's lots of stuff coming at us all the time lots of which we shouldn't listen to, right? And so this idea of knowing, you know, like, well, I'm curious what your thoughts are about, like, this the discernment of, like, I should listen to this and maybe I shouldn't listen to this so much.
0: Um, yeah, that's, um, there's a lot. There's a lot out there. Um, and I think that um, since the 70s, things have really speeded up. What would take someone maybe seven years of study then now is uh, you know, a couple retreats in a year or something, or um, uh, a course of study or two in a period of time. It's really shortened the um, time frame for understanding for, and discernment and for um gathering your tools things have really uh quickened so to speak so that this you don't have to put in the time the same kind of time Uh, things are more available and then things are also more available that you might not want to embrace um you know discernment is like a muscle you know you have to exercise it and and use it and be willing to step away from something if something inside of you says no you know and and trust that muscle trust that voice of discernment inside yourself even though your ego structure may say yes i want to do that i've been wanting to do that for a long time and if something you get a feeling or something inside of you says no, that's not exactly for you right now, or uh, that's not such a great idea, or just know that you're willing to trust it because the voice, that voice or that feeling speaks in a volume that you cultivate. If you ignore it, it quiets. If you are open to it, you can hear it,
2: or you can feel it. You know, I want to tease this out for our listeners here because you said the ego structure, and then you were talking about inner knowingness. Can you define each one of those and then perhaps suggest how we might be able to tell the difference between those voices? That's that's an interesting question.
0: Um, we need a healthy ego structure. I just want to say that. There's a lot of uh, schools of thought that deny the ego and beat it up and try to destroy it. But to live a life on earth, we need an ego structure. We need to be able to pick and choose, push, pa- push back sometimes, push past some things. Um, this is my way of looking at it. And so Um, The ego structure is, you know, the personality and how the personality has been raised, the things you cultivate in yourself in the day to day. And then that inner voice, that inner knowing, that intuition, that um, inner feelings of when you're trying to navigate something or uh, make choices, um, you, you have to soften yourself you have to you know be more inner oriented inwardly oriented and and be willing to listen um you know the ego wants a piece of candy the the inner life says to you um let's have some protein you know let's have some protein better for the body you can have the candy later i mean it's not a great example but um it's there's appetites the body has appetites even the emotional body has that drive you and say oh this will feel great or this will be wonderful and 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 yet you know maybe if you reflect a little bit on it you might think to yourself um yeah not so much maybe there's something else here that is really being asked of me um and and the candy can wait Mm So, the only way that I know to hear that voice or tune into that feeling is to go inside and just sit with myself, sit with my breathing, sit with my, um, you know, my feelings, uh, those other parts of me, um, kind of stepping out of my mind a little bit, you know. Mm -hmm. Um and, and stepping into other parts, the heart, what the heart wants, what the emotional body wants, um, and and letting those parts speak to me and and then looking at it all and making a choice, making a decision, or or not, just sitting with it. Mm-hmm. But it's it's like a muscle. It's like Decision-making is like a muscle, you know, exercising that part of you so that when you come to having to make a decision, it's not all of a sudden, um, I mean, it could be a major task, but maybe it doesn't always have to feel that way. You, you get more, um, you become more um, flexible in that decision-making. And so it's the same way with discernment you know, of exercising that muscle. And so after a while, you you just kind of know. You just kind of know what will be good for you. You know, there's times, you know, I mean, we were told as kids sometimes, this is good for you. You might not like it, but this is good for you, you know? And so becoming your own adult self there's times where you know, well, I don't really want to do that, but I know it would really be good for me, mm-hmm. you know? And so acknowledging that part of you as um, a decision-making part of you and as a discerning part of
2: you. Jhoti, mm-hmm. was there a, a turning point in your life where these two voices became clear for you and you, and confidence in the fact that you know which one's talking? Because a lot of folks I speak with struggle with that. Like, how do I know which voice is talking within me? Um,
0: I struggle with that. I still struggle with that. I mean, Uh, decisions will come up and I'll look at them and I'll think about it and I'll take it into meditation or I'll do a shamanic journey around it. And um, for clarity, if I'm just really not sure and it, and it's going to entail more than just, you know, what to eat for dinner kind of thing. And, um, and so it, it has bigger repercussions, let's say, or it might take a, a lot of energy to pull it together. And so, um, I'll, I'll, you know, practice what I preach in a sense. I mean, that's the only place to go. I have to go inside and sit with it and see what else arises around that and um, look at it uh, from a point of view, not so much as right or wrong, but uh, which would be the best choice in this moment, Mm -hmm. you know? So sometimes it's not readily visible to me. Sometimes I have to work with it a little bit. And and sometimes I don't choose the best, you know, <laughs> or I choose and and maybe it just doesn't fit in with what other people have in mind, you know, so then I re-choose.
2: Yeah, I, I just have to honor what you just said, Joti. It's so powerful for me hearing this and I think particularly for younger women listening that, you know, here you've been working at this for how many years?
0: Uh, and, over 50.
2: Right. And and you still struggle with it. It it this is normal. This is within the range and and for folks not to beat up on themselves when they okay. still get caught.
0: Um we're we're at, um art That's becoming you know there's no finished right and done we're always in the stage of becoming and growing, Um, I think that even when we leave here, we are still growing and learning different aspects of ourselves and and what life and what afterlife wants of us so I don't think there's any finished right and done and you can say okay I've got it I finally got it and now I can move on and do something else and it's like what else is there to do
1: (laughs) (laughs) well I like you know in all of that I'm very practical. And so I like the this idea of multiple tools, right? You have multiple tools that help you look inward, right? Like this isn't something we generally are taught in our culture, looking inward in general isn't a thing. Um, So when we hit those walls, we don't, you know, unless we have somebody like you or somebody in our lives, that's like, hey, here's a tool, try it, right. And so I really, so do you find that that is something you're clients and your students and your, you know, the people that you're interacting with, um, that that is something that really helps them?
0: I think so. I um, I see people in, in the classes uh-huh. and um, clients that I see, you know, um, here and there over the years and, and how their lives have changed, how they're more aware of themselves. Um, whether it's because I gave them a tool or just because of the aspects that are going on that invited them through doors of opportunity to learn and grow. I mean, it's hard to pin down. Um, uh, I do what I know to do and what I can and then just leave it there with them. Yeah.
2: What is your highest you wish for your clients when you're working with someone?
0: That um, they're at peace with themselves, and they know they're in the right place at the right time, you know, Mm -hmm. that all of this isn't um, that that things that come into their lives that feel difficult, that it isn't they're not being assailed by the universe you know it, it's a door of opportunity to see themselves and to go deeper into their own growing in their own process so that they're not um uh stuck or um uh confused that uh they somehow feel okay this is not insurmountable. This is doable. I'll bite size it. I'll take it one step at a time. Um, I, I see what the maybe what the point of this is. And I'll just uh, work on it. And it's not as big a deal, maybe as it first looks like.
2: It is your sense that most of your clients walk away with that?
0: I think I think their anxiety level is lowered <laughs> i think yeah. their anxiety level is lowered because i i hear them i hear what's going on um i'm i'm giving them a reframed version of what they're experiencing perhaps sometimes when you reframe something like this isn't um uh, death, life or death, this is a door of opportunity and and what do you want to do with it and how can you maybe bite size a situation that seems overwhelming at first glance, but um, over time you you take one piece and then you work with another piece then you work with this, then you maybe do that and and um, it's all doable. You you come to see what it's for. And in that reframing, sometimes a person can relax behind it and just say, "Okay, I can do this. Um, uh, Is
1: that do you feel like that's how you've always practiced or is that something that's changed over the course of time to in your practice?
0: It's developed. It's developed by my own personal work and, and learning different tools and um, uh, taking different opportunities to um, uh, just hold space a little differently than I first did when I first got into astrology. That was, that was pretty rough.: <laughs> Yeah, but little, it's but a little that's... smoother now right
1: but that's the start of everything right like for people that are listening everything is rough in the beginning right like yes yes
0: (laughs) yes it's crude you're you're developing your tools and and you're smoothing out your rough edges and and maybe the other person's rough edges at the same time and you know some people are very skeptical and and that's um a part of discernment you know, sometimes, a lot of times, because there's a lot of stuff out there that is uh, um, not exactly what it seems to be. You know, there's there's not a lot of pure truth, like truth with a capital T in it, you know? There's, um, so, so you have to learn how to become discernment, discernful, discerning, discerning. <laughs> yes all of those things (laughs) all of those things absolutely there was a phrase i coined a long time ago and it it was like um there's a barker for your soul on every corner you know that it's a spiritual Mm -hmm. carnival and there's a barker for your soul on every corner and you have to see who's who sometimes you can't see till you step in and then it's up to you to step out if it doesn't fit Mm -hmm. wow and did you make that up before the internet Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. Wow. That's only gotten exponentially more so. Right. With the oh,
0: other- yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I
2: can't I, I can't help but ask this question that begs to be asked. What did you get hooked by that you turned away from? And it wasn't for you?
0: Well, I had somebody tell me something in an astrology reading when I was first learning that um, put a lot of my self-discovery and self-awareness on hold, because I thought if that's really true, um, I shouldn't have been told that, and and so not in that way. That I would take it in and uh limit myself because of it Mm -hmm. so over the years I've had people on my at my office on my couch who I labeled uh astrologically wounded because they were told things that limited them themselves and limited their view of themselves and so we reframed it we re-looked at it and so it took me two years to realize I need to shake that off that's not true that was a projection and that I that's not me and I don't operate that way but it was an experience in hindsight I needed to have in order to understand that sometimes people are told things in readings that have nothing to do with them at all, um, and it's more on the projection of the reader yeah. of who they, th- of where they're at, and who they think this person is, and so it it begs discernment when yeah. you're going yeah. out into the spiritual world and you're looking at. Um, uh asking for help i mean a lot of people who want to go into therapy most therapists will offer a meet and greet for free to see if you mesh with that other person's personality the therapist's personality and so um, it's the same with readers i mean i have people who come to me who have no idea of who I am. Somebody recommended them and they have no idea what to expect. And so we go slow. We go mm-hmm. slow and we just kind of um, unpack the chart. That's a popular expression right now. So we just unpack the chart and we start slow. And, um, you know, people ask questions. And, you um, Yeah, it's it's very interesting to work with other people when you're asking them to show you yourself and to make sure that their agenda is for the truth, the truth of things.
2: Speak to that a little bit more, Doti. that's really profound.
0: Um, So I had a client one time, and uh, she came in and she goes, "You know, I don't know what kind of a reading I want um, but I, I want it all good. I said, in other words, you want it, you want me to tell you what you want to hear okay so I, and and we took off from there. It was kind of a joke, but um it was um, a lot of people when they come for a reading they don't want to hear anything they call negative and and so they don't want anything bad to hear anything bad about themselves but we all have challenges and we all have work to do on ourselves and our life and our awareness and and how we expand our awareness and so what some people might call negative other people might call a challenge so Mm. some people are challenged with holding their temper, let's say, or say, that's not a negative, that's just that person and what they brought into this life to work on, you know? And so they're gonna work on it. And so we might talk about it and we might find ways, especially if I'm doing a child's chart for a parent, how can this parent help this child with what the child is struggling with? Yes, the parents might be, you know, feeling kind of chaotic as an aftermath, but what is this child struggling with? And so how can the parent out of their unconditional love for the child help them with that? I, I don't know if this answered your question.
2: Well, it did and more. And I think uh, the the follow-up to the follow-up <laughs> would, would be something like, um, you know, what what do you tell folks when they come in and ask for something but the truth what do you say now because i bet that's changed over the years
0: yeah it has (laughs) in the beginning it was just the truth you know and uh uh yeah it it was not pretty and so Oh. uh, oh no it was not pretty and so um I've learned diplomacy in my own process. I, I was never very diplomatic. It was more the truth and what's happening in the moment and and uh, putting the truth on the table, you know, and you can say as I saw it or as I read it. Um, so um, it, it's going slowly and gently and having more respect for the other person's process then my agenda around truth, although that does show up, but it shows up in a, in a gentler, kinder way over the years. I've learned. I mean, I've grown from my astrology work and my work with other people and my own work on myself and, uh, yeah, using the tools that were provided me psychotherapy trainings and different things like that over the years. I mean, I, I always encourage uh, students of astrology to gather as many tools as they can to follow their curiosity. If you're curious about personality development and growth, or you're interested in um, uh, childhood woundings and how they affect the, the adult life, uh, then study psychology. You know, gather psychological tools, study humanistic astrology, study um, uh, different ways that people compensate for things that have happened in their life so that you can help them um, recognize that this was a life-saving device that they developed to make it through their childhood or their uh, younger part of their life. And now they don't need that anymore and that they can um smooth out their life a bit. It's not so kinked up.
2: Love that kinked up.
0: <laughs> so and I, I feel like therapy, I, I've always been a big proponent of therapy. And I, I feel like therapy really helps unkink the personality from the ways of childhood um, so that who you really are can flow more freely through that personality structure. My first teacher was a mystic, you know, and so she really helped shape my view of the world and, and why we're here in a lot of ways. Um, and I was thinking about this recently and, um, I, you know, besides other people that I studied with, I mean, she had the most influence because it was the the first door that was opened for me that she opened and uh the study of metaphysics and then into yoga and meditation and all of that um her her view of why we're here and what life is really all about i mean that really helped shape a lot of my view of working with people and working on myself and
2: why it's important Amazing. Christine, you have a last question before we get to the lightning round. I have
1: like a hundred questions, but I don't, yeah. think... <laughs> I don't. I don't think I have any question that's going to not take another forty minutes to answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do want to talk about projection, though. Again, at some point, I think I find that whole thing very fascinating, but I don't really have a question around it per se. Like other than, again, it's a, a discernment question, like, I feel like there's lots of projection going on in our worlds on a daily basis, being, yes. being projected upon us projecting on others, it all, you know, it's just a thing. But I, f- I find it's very difficult, at least in my life to, to discern when I'm doing that, or when it's being when it's happening to me. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts around how we work with that better.
0: I think it it's just sensitizing yourself in a sense to that kind of energy I remember somebody projecting something onto me and and I I was just, It felt like my skin was crawling because it's like that's not me that's not how I operate that's Mm -hmm. not how I think that's not what I do. So I knew that they were projecting something from their own early years onto me and that it had nothing to do with me, so it was like I stepped out of it. You know stepped out of the projection and just remembered myself and didn't respond in the way the person was goading me to respond because that would have satisfied that projection I just stepped aside um but as humans we project it's part of human life and it's part of how we learn up until now at least and um so owning your projections seeing when you're projecting something onto somebody else that maybe has nothing to do with them and it's more about you and, and owning that to yourself, maybe even to the other person, I, I think this was more about me than you. So let's just move on. So sorry, and let's just move on. Um, I remember my father as a Virgo projecting his perfectionistic traits onto me. And I called him on it. And I said, Dad, sorry, but you know, you realize probably that you're never going to be perfect. And you're expecting me be perfect and i'm not i'm not and so i refuse the projection but i could see it i could feel it i was an adult i wasn't a kid i was an adult at that time but i could see that perfectionistic um, projection coming my way and it's like nope not me
1: you know that's a really powerful energy i love the way you frame that it makes me wonder can we project positive things like when we talk about holding space for others like is that a form of projection than where we allow people like when I sometimes I'll teach art classes and that often you'll have people who are very who've honestly had a a wound an art wound in their early life and they are very nervous about being you know doing creative work and there's a there is a way I feel like I'm able to hold that space for people to allow them to do that work again and feel safe in it is that do you feel like that is a form of projection as well or is that something different
0: no i to me that's holding space that's being in your fullness and holding the light for someone else to do whatever they need to do rather than uh it's to me that's not a projection i think the best we can do i think the opposite of projection is holding because we're not sending out we're holding space we're holding the light for Mm -hmm. them to step into whoever they can be you know Mm -hmm. and and i think that you doing that is the grace of that situation because then the person can come out can explore their timidity can um maybe try because there's nothing being projected onto them about having to show up, having to get it right. You know, that's probably where the wounds came from. And so you're just holding the light for them to be in their fullness and in their truth. And you're holding that space and it creates space for people to do that. Wow. Yeah, that's really
1: helpful. That really helps me understand both of those things much better. Thank you.
2: (laughs) You're welcome. So Christine, how about that lightning round?
1: Oh, okay, yeah. Um all right, these are just quick short answers. Okay. Um what's one thing that you are looking forward to?
0: I'm I've been invited to go to the beach in this summer. So I'm looking forward to that immensely. I haven't been to the Atlantic Ocean in um three or four years, probably four years by the time I get there. So I'm looking forward to putting my feet in the great mother ocean. Me too. (laughs) Um, What's one thing that you still want to learn about? How to quiet my mind more. That's big. That's wait, huge. Wait, that never ends. Is that what you're telling me? That never ends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I'm older than you, and I'm still dealing with it. Like I said, there's no finished, right, and done. It's a, it's a, a work in progress. I'm still working on it. Yes.
1: Okay, I love that. And then the final one is: What's one thing that you do as a regular daily practice?
0: I um, I do my yoga stretches in the morning, and I meditate for a while. And so they're usually non-negotiable.
2: Nice. Thanks. Be beautiful. Beautiful. Hey, ladies. Wow. I feel really full. And like Christine, I still have 30 questions. So <laughs> we'll definitely have to have you back, Jyoti. Um, thank you so much. And I am certain our listeners are going to be curious how they can get astrology reading with you or learn shamanic Practice, how can folks best reach you? Through my website,
0: jyotiwindastrology.com. And I also have a free YouTube channel, and I have uh, some astrology classes on there, and also some women's exploration and development classes on there that are
2: free. Wonderful. Thanks so much.
0: Yeah, thank, thank you. you so much, Jyoti. It was lovely. Thank you.
2: Wow yeah exactly <laughs> big wow, big wow
1: yeah, I mean, what I mean, I think for me what stood out first is just the listening piece, right like her superpower being listening like that's just so beautiful and it is it's what she teaches all like exactly. what the classes I've taken with her that's all the that's the crux of all of them. How do you listen? to what's around you, to what's inside of you. How do you integrate those things, right? Like, it's amazing.
2: Well, and and I think that the thing is, if you're going to have a superpower and you get gifted with one, that's the one to have. (laughs) I mean, because if we don't listen, we won't even know we have a superpower, right? No, (laughs) absolutely, absolutely.
1: But I don't think, I mean, it is not encouraged, right? Listening is not what we're taught. I mean, we really have to come to it somehow on our own in some way. It's.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But the way she talked about listening inner to our inner voice, listening to others and our ability, and then listening to the earth and the spirits and the guidance there. Really, I don't think there's any more advice we need. I mean, that's it. It's all right there.
1: But then she also later talked about, you know, a barker on every corner. Mm-hmm. Right. And that yeah. also, like, again, in that listening piece, you know, there's a lot to listen to, too, right? Sure. To yeah, there's a lot of Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah that, that thread of discernment, Christine, I think came through this conversation multiple times on on various layers and... So yes, listening is important, but I think it has to go according to what I heard from Jyoti with discernment, right? Right. Yeah. They can't. They simply can't be separated.
1: Well, and also I can see the two threads of like, you know, listening, listening to the earth, listening, listening to nat- nature and natural, you know, or this, or even the cosmos, right? Like that listening is it seems to me much more close to capital T truth always, right? Like it requires a lot less discernment, but it's yeah. the, it's the man-made world. It's the, uh, it's sure. this stuff, right. That is the part that we're always having to take a deep breath and try to decide.
2: Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. yeah. I think what I was just so um, humbled by, is just that, The rich life she's led and in allowing herself to be open to so many different teachings. That was something that struck me right in the beginning of the conversation is, and I didn't get, get an opportunity to ask is what what in your childhood allowed you to be that feel that safe and open?
1: Yeah. to well, these
2: new teachings
1: what she said to her dad she's like i'm not taking on your perfectionism like <laughs> i mean like clearly she was a, she's a was a pretty self-possessed
2: young person sure. right? yeah forced to be reckoned with from <laughs> yeah. early on, no doubt yeah. yeah yeah the the other piece that jyoti brought up early on in the conversation christine that is how things are speeding up and i think this is universal this isn't just pertaining to the conversation with jyoti but I think it pertains to what we're trying to do here is to help filter all the stuff that's speeding up for our listeners, and to be that bridge to um, other pathways in a time that things are moving very fast.
1: Yeah, 100%, 100%. Yeah, and some of this knowledge that you know Joti and other women that we know have gained. Is, is actually slow wisdom, right? Like it doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, it does require that. So it's nice to be able to have these conversations and, you know, distill a little piece of that, right? In one space, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I think in my thirties or forties, if I could have heard a Jodi, just remind me that it, it just keeps going. It doesn't end, right? Because in that age time, no matter... Who tells you otherwise? I mean, you just are certain like, oh, well, I'm going to get this all fixed and then life will just cruise on and you beat yourself up over and again and trying to get everything fixed and in order.
1: Well, and also as a woman, you better fix it damn fast because your time's (laughs) over soon. Like as a, right. And that's the other thing I love about talking to women like Jyoti is it's clear that her life has only gotten better and richer as she's gotten older,
2: mm. right? Isn't that sweet? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I think we could end on that note, that <laughs> it it only gets better, it only gets sweeter. Yeah. Great. Thanks.
1: Yeah, thank you.